0: Good morning. morning. Welcome to the First Universalist Unitarian Church. My name is Cheryl Hemp, and I am a member of this congregation, and I want to extend a special welcome to any visitors joining us today. Since 1858, UU Wausau has served as a vital voice for liberal religion in central Wisconsin. We are an intentionally free society that welcomes all people just as you are, regardless of age, sexual orientation, ethnicity, or economic situation. Wherever you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. Between Sundays, we'd love to have you at one of our classes or events, so be sure to subscribe to the church's newsletter and follow us on Facebook or Instagram for updates. And I have a couple of announcements I wanted to highlight today, and the rest are in the yellow insert in your order of service. So we have, we have new red coffee mugs sitting in the racks on the welcome table. Visitors are invited to use these during the social hour so that members can identify them more easily and initiate a conversation. And of course do this if you're comfortable doing that and then on october 1st we kick off a year-long series of intergenerational events called my uu family fun days after church on october 1st is our first in this series it's a potluck with the theme of finger foods we will laugh eat well and build connections Amongst our church family with a hilarious riff on speed dating to get to know each other So be sure to join us next Sunday and bring finger foods As we begin our worship together Let us take a moment to extend peace and blessing to one another Please rise and greet your neighbors If you would turn to number 453 in this book, in the hymnal, that has our chalice lighting for today, 453. May the light we now kindle inspire us to use our powers, to heal and not to harm, to help and not to hinder, to bless and not to curse to serve you spirit of freedom and now if you would again stand as you are able to sing our gathering hymn number 347 gather the spirit number 347
1: In her story, Paper Bag Religion, Ruth Gibson shares that religion is like what feeds our soul and therefore like our food. She goes on to note that most of us get our food from the grocery store. We go, we buy it, we bag it up or box it up, we bring it home and make meals to feed ourselves and our loved ones a delicious meal and nourish ourselves. Now, I imagine if we all brought our groceries in next week, you don't have to, uh, we'd notice some similarities in our bags and some differences. And I bet if we brought in our spiritual groceries or our beliefs, we'd notice the same. We'd all come in with our UU bag. May or may not be from Trader Joe's. It's up to you. And some of us would come in, and we'd maybe come in and put, I don't know, god or goddess in our bag. And some of us might put in source of all. Others might put in universe or science. Some of us might put in our bags the energy cycle or rebirth or reincarnation. Or let's see what else we got here. Or might even put in heaven. And as we grow and we learn and we change, we might take things out of our bags and swap in new ones, or add things. But I'm also guessing, with all the different beliefs, there are some things we'd find in everyone's bag, no matter what, where they are in their lives. For instance, Unitarian Universalists believe we should always keep learning, because none of us have all of the answers. So that would go in our bag. We believe everyone should be treated with kindness. Everyone is worthy of being treated with kindness and that we're all an important part of our community. But there are also some things that wouldn't fit in our bags. For instance, if we believe that we should always keep learning because none of us have all the answers, that means I can't put in my bag something that says, my beliefs are the best way or the only way. They might fit, but it'd probably tear my bag. Or hate and isms, and all those things that say one group of people are better than another group of people can't fit in my bag. Again, I could probably force it in there and tear it, but they really wouldn't fit. And that's because our bags are already full of things like big questions, and hope, and mystery, kindness, can tell I never stocked groceries. Justice. And love. And that is our time for all ages for today. I invite preschoolers and six, up to sixth graders to come downstairs to continue this conversation that they would like, otherwise they may remain in worship with their families. And I invite all of you to bless our children off downstairs and those remaining here with our children's song, the words are printed in your order of worship. Thank you.
2: I'd like to invite everyone into a spirit of prayer and meditation. As you prepare your minds, also take a moment to prepare your bodies. If it is your custom to pray or meditate with your eyes closed, or if you're comfortable, I invite you to go ahead and close them now. Take a moment to quiet any running narrative in your mind. And with all your attention, focus it on the top of your head. Any tingles or warmth, make note of them and then move your attention downwards and into your jaw. Any tension there, let it out. Now take a breath full and deep into your chest. Take another full deep breath and push it down into your stomach. and just be for a moment. And let us pray. O mysterious giver of life and light, you call us to stand firm, to offer hope in a world where pain and hunger seem to dominate, You've given so much, that in the presence of these gifts, we find so much pain. We watch battles rage, we see images of homes destroyed by flood or fire. How can we bring love to those who've closed their ears if we can't hear your still, small voice among the angry voices in our heads? How can we serve in these places filled with pain and fear if we are filled with pain and fear? Call us forth, O spirit of life. Help us to be your hands and feet. Fill us with a vision of truth and give us the courage to move when we need to and the bravery to rest when our work is done. Hear now our prayers for those in need and for ourselves, for all of us, the hopeful and the hopeless, the lovesick, the broke and the lost. We raise our prayers in this sacred space and we ponder them in the silence of our hearts now. Amen. Please stay seated for our prayer hymn number 123 in the gray book, Spirit of Life.
0: The offering is a sacrament of the free church. It is supported by the voluntary generosity of all who join with us. The mission and ministry of UU Wausau is made possible by the generous support of its friends and members. You can place a gift in the basket as it passes by. You can also stop by our website, UUWausau, to make a one-time or recurring gift with your credit or debit cards. Thank you for your support.
2: Switched up the reading this morning, rather than read a section from Max Coutts' wonderful sermon, A Hodgepodge with a Steeple, I thought I'd read something by my first mentor in ministry, Earl Holt, who those of you who've been around a while will remember from years ago, he preached my installation service here. Uh, This is something he wrote entitled Making Belief, and it fits, I think, a, a little better than the original reading I picked about Unitarian Universalism. And so my mentor, this is what Earl wrote. He says, every once in a while someone is struck by the realization that religion and the church are not synonymous. I believe in religion, but I don't believe in the church, they declare. I can be just as religious on a mountain top or much more likely on the golf course as in on church on Sunday morning. My response is, of course you can, but do you? That's the real question. The great Unitarian religious educator, Sophia Faz once composed a simple but b- profound meditation on the assertion, it matters what we believe. It matters because beliefs have consequences. Beliefs give rise to actions, and beliefs give rise to deeds. This means that beliefs you hold inwardly matter less than the beliefs you express outwardly. We believe in education, and so we build schools. We believe in medicine, and so we build hospitals. This is one of the oldest truths. Values are important only as they are as embodied, expressed in some concrete action or form. If we really believe in something, our impulse will be to develop and to build it. I'm sure that there are millions of people who are Unitarian Universalists without knowing it. They concern me less than the people, be it hundreds or maybe thousands, who are Unitarian Universalists without showing it. People who believe in the values of liberal religion, freedom of conscience, tolerance of diversity, reason, democracy, unity of spirit, but who fail to express their belief by some commitment to a church which attempts, however imperfectly, to embody those values. I believe in religion, a relatively easy thing to do, certainly an easy thing to say. I also believe in the church, and sometimes that's much harder. But in an imperfect world, it is one of the best things we've got. Religion is immortal, but the church depends on us. Aaron's our reading. So, a few years ago, there was this woman who had been attending services here off and on, and she asked to meet with me. She wanted to learn more about Unitarian Universalism and if it might be a spiritual home for her and her kid. She also wanted to clear something up. While she was church shopping, as people do when you're looking for a church, she visited a church not that far from here. And in that, pastor's sermon, he said that Wausau's first Universalist Unitarian Church is a cult, and she wanted to know if it's true. I assured her, I said, that, that is not the case, ma'am, but I also felt really weird saying that we're not a cult because I'm guessing every cult leader ever, when asked, is this a cult, says, no, this is not a cult. I also told her that I have seen pretty much every single made-for-TV special on cults going all the way back to 1989. And one of the hallmarks of a cult leader is someone who can get people to do what he wants. (laughs) I told her, I said, I know this is not a cult because I have been this church's minister for a while. And I can't even get these people to do what they say they want to do in the first place. So my sermon this morning is for anyone wondering if we are a cult. It is also an introduction to Unitarian Universalism for newcomers and a reintroduction for the rest of us. This is a bread and butter sermon. I think I've given at least something like once a year since I've been here. And so let's start with the basics. Unitarian Universalism is a menagerie, in other words, People here claim a variety of beliefs. Some of the beliefs I've heard expressed over the years are, where's my list? It's a long one. Okay, atheist, Buddhist, Hindu, agnostic, Muslim, confused, pagan, shaman, earth-centered, coffee hours only, Christian, Prius driver, humanist, stoic, Unitarian, Subaru driver, Universalist, and UU. Maybe you fit into one of those categories or maybe you fit into a few of them. I fit into a few of them. My family is a gold star Unitarian family. We have a Prius and a Subaru, so we win every time. If you don't know this about me, I've been a minister for more than a decade, a professional one, and I've been a Unitarian Universalist for nearly 20 years. And I've gotten so used to our diversity by this point, it really, it just hardly phases me at all. I've grown to love this church. Literally, I love this church. That doesn't mean that this church is always lovable, but most of the people in this church love you in return, and that's a blessing. Now, some of you may have visited other UU churches or fellowships, which may, that you sort of look around this space and you notice that there are some things that are different. And that's because UU churches are as varied as the buildings they are housed in. I once attended a UU church in a very, very posh neighborhood outside of San Francisco. To this day, I cannot tell you if what I attended even counts as church. Here's what happened. First off, it was a beautiful day. It was outside on a veranda. And everybody was just sort of wandering around on this veranda, sipping coffee, chatting about politics. And at one point, several people got into a debate about which credit cards give the best airline miles. And in the background, there was this lady with a guitar who was singing this really bizarre song I had never heard before about a magic dragon named Puff. I don't know if that counts as church. But anyways, I've also been to traditional Unitarian churches like King's Chapel in Boston. It's right on the Common, 24 Tremont Street. And it has been worshiping the exact same way since 1686, using a version of the Episcopal Book of Prayer. And so the point of this is that we are an eclectic group. Now, this particular church has been squatting on Wausau's stony ground since 1858. And if you've ever wondered about Jesus Christ and the angels and the wise men that we have in our stained glass, that's because this church is a timepiece that reflects our past. Our ancestors in this church were universalists. And if ever you have wondered what the differences are between Universalists and Unitarians, I can think of no better answer than to give you the 19th century minister Thomas Starr King's answer to that question who said, and I quote, Universalists believe that God is too good to damn them to hell forever, but Unitarians believe they are too good to be damned. (laughs) There's an old joke in New England. In New England, what they do is they would close the churches, like in June and they would reopen in September. Everybody, you know, had their houses in Maine or, or whatever. And, and the joke was that the Unitarians had to close their church every summer because God needed a break from hearing all their constant complaining. <laughs> okay, let me move on. Unitarian Universalism also did not arrive fully formed. Universalism and Unitarianism are two very distinct branches of the Protestant Christian reform going all the way back to the 16th century. Unitarian Universalism as we know it today, it did not exist until living memory, until 1961 when the two separate groups merged into one. And so in Unitarian churches, if you want sort of a quick summary, what their emphasis was is it was on personal betterment. Was also on the worth and dignity of every person and tolerance for difference universalist on the other hand they focused on god's love for all of humankind and how people blossom when we live free and equal as god intended now i don't know about you but i find value in both of those traditions on any given day i might tell you i'm a little more universalist i'm a little more unitarian Now the congregation that built this church, what they did is they put themselves and their faith into these windows and into these walls and they left it to us as a heritage. That means we are heirs to people who worked and labored and built and gave long before any of us ever existed. And so if there's a tiny little part of your heart that calls this church home, then you are indebted to the goodwill and the hard work and the imagination and the generosity of others, people you'll never meet. But the greatest heritage our ancestors left is not this building as much as I love it and as much as it costs us to keep staying here. The best heritage they left us is our faith. And so over the years, one of the common refrains I hear about Unitarian Universalism is this, you can believe whatever you want. So rather than tell you all the ways that's wrong, and you're wrong if you've ever said that, I'm going to ask you a question. Are you ready for your question? If somebody asked you, what do you believe, would you have an answer? Let's think about it. Every year this church's high school seniors they stand in front of us at this pulpit, they stand in front of this congregation, their parents, their grandparents, and their friends, and they answer that question. When we did that again this last June, it got me wondering whether most of you adults could do the same. Notice I'm not asking whether you can say all the things you're not, all the things you don't like, all the things that you wish the minister did, or didn't you are smart you use i know you sometimes better than you know yourselves you are experts at critique you are experts at giving unsolicited advice the question is what do you believe so imagine with me that you are at a dinner party is that hard for you to do a dinner party just go to a dinner party in your mind's eye And now, imagine that you're the only person at the party who goes to church, which is statistically very likely, given that less than 40% of Americans regularly attend church, but I digress. All your dinner pals tell you that they ditched organized religion years ago. On Sundays, they said, we've replaced church with Zumba, or they loaf around until the Packers play, or they read the New York Times, or they sleep off all those Saturday old fashions. Now, your buddies want to know why you go to church, and they want to know what you believe. And so now, all the attention is on you. The entire success of the dinner party rests on how you answer this question. And so you start to get a little defensive, and your heart starts to race a little bit, and then your armpits start to sweat, and then you start to stink a little bit, and then finally, you blurt out, well, I don't really go to church, church. I'm a Unitarian Universalist. And so then a woman across from you is very fascinated, and she asks, I've always wondered about Unitarians. What do you believe? Um, nothing, you squeak, before adding, well, not really nothing, more like anything. And then you do your best to assure them, you say, I don't believe that Jesus was born of a virgin, I promise. I don't believe Jesus was resurrected on the third day, I promise. And you promise that you have never read the Bible unless it was reviewed in the pages of the New Yorker. And you certainly think most religions and religious people are crazy. To which all of your friends respond, this is the very reason we stopped going to church in the first place. And then you quickly change the subject to start gossiping about someone who was supposed to be there but had to cancel at the last minute. So, next question. Have any of you ever wondered if there's an evangelical Unitarian Universalist? How many times have any of you ever knocked on the door of your neighbor to say, I wanna tell you about my faith? Raise your hand, watch everyone sink to the floor. (laughs) Here's what I want you to consider. Evangelical Unitarian Universalism is not an oxymoron, and you should try it. Here's why. I want you to think, travel back in your imagination to think about what last year's high school seniors said about this church. I watched the service the other day on YouTube, so I'm synthesizing what they said. But This is what they said about us. They said, this church makes me feel more alive. This church has helped me love who I am. This church helps me wonder at and love the world. Why wouldn't you wanna tell people about this church, about this faith? What those high school seniors sounded like is they sounded like Ralph Waldo Emerson's and John the Baptist's and Olympia Brown's. They sounded like people who were telling us about something magical. And here's the thing, they were telling us about magic. And they were telling us a little something about miracles too. And so Emerson, if you don't remember, Emerson believed in miracles. Emerson didn't believe in water into wine. Emerson didn't believe in parting the Red Sea. But what Emerson believed in is the miracle of the sun and the earth and the oceans full of life. The miracle of a newborn child the miracle of human thought, the miracle of hope. And so fundamentalist and orthodox believers, what they do is they find all their miracles in scripture. And skeptics and materialists, they discount the very idea of miracles. But Unitarian Universalists, they follow Emerson and they say, quote, all life is a miracle, from the blowing clover to the falling rain. And so religious experience, it springs from two sources. It comes from awe and it comes from humility. And neither awe nor humility is possible if you are not willing to go beyond the material in search of the spirit. And as I've said more than once from this pulpit, there are two kinds of fundamentalists and I'll remind you what they are. There are right-wing fundamentalists who enshrine a tiny god on their altar that they think can answer all of life's biggest questions. And then there are left-wing fundamentalists who reject this tiny God, and then they pat themselves on the back for doing so while they think they're really smart and important. If you've been paying attention, you'll see that both the liberal and the right-wing fundamentalists both worship a very teeny tiny God. The truth about Unitarian Universalists, whether we use God language or not, is that we do not reject religion. We expand it. As the sage of Unitarianism, William Ellery Channing, said, quote, this is a church for which no one is excluded, except as he excludes himself. I like to say that people who find a home in Unitarian Universalist churches do so because they don't want a creed or a doctrine to define them. That doesn't mean there's anything wrong with creeds, by the way. It's just that you, you, seek to define faith a little bit more broadly. Our commitment is to widening the circle. That is very much a part of our religion. And notice that I'm not saying the word philosophy. I'm not saying the word worldview. This is a religion in the truest sense because what we talk about are matters of ultimate concern. This is precisely what theology does that contemplates the biggest questions humans ask, questions about life, about God, about love, and about death. The late Unitarian minister Forrest Church, he liked to say that religion is our human response to the dual reality of being alive and having to die. It's important to remind yourself that theology is far more like poetry than it is like science. And it's equally important to remember as MIT reminds all of its science and engineering majors, it tells them this. It says, dear students, science does not have all the answers. During our brief span of life, we get to think about the most amazing and mysterious thing of all, and that's creation. And if you'd like something amazing to consider over lunch this morning, I read something yesterday in the science journal Nature that I'll give you to ponder over lunch. Get this, 15 scientists just a few months ago discovered a 476,000 year old human structure in Colombo Falls, Zambia. Think about that. Humans have been making this planet a home for nearly a half million years. Creation is Unitarian Universalism's most sacred text. And people in our churches, they draw on personal experience. We also draw from our reading of nature and human nature, including the Bible and other religious texts, and also philosophy and poetry. We do this because meaning isn't just found in books. It's written in love and friendship and triumph and tragedy. And if you're going to forget everything I've said this morning, here's the one sentence I want you to try and remember. Unitarian Universalism is not an alternative to religion. It is an alternative way to be religious. Religious with doubt, religious with seeking, with freedom, and with humility. Now we're almost done. so. Take a breath, I'm not gonna preach a whole lot longer. Before we go, I think we need to review the UU principles and then I'll wrap it up. And so, what do the UU principles say? Belief in the inherent worth and dignity of all people, justice, equity, and compassion, mutual acceptance, freedom of conscience, peace, and the respect for the web of creation, of which we're all part. Notice that that is not believing in nothing, and it's certainly not believing in anything. One of UU's greatest features is it's faith in humankind, because it strives to see everyone in their own good way as beautiful, as worthy. Now, some of the people in this church, if you get to know them, you're gonna find out they're kind of brooding. They're a little grumpy. Sometimes you don't wanna to talk to them on a Sunday morning, and that's okay, because across the church, there's someone who's bright. And bubbly and gives great hugs. We've got them all here. Everyone tells a unique story about the creation of the world, about history, about life and death. This is why we seek and strive to know people on their own terms. And I can tell you we do not get this right all the time. Everyone here is a human being. That means that we are failures too. We fail to do the best we want. And I'm sorry for that, but you have to decide what we are for you because it's the people who are the church, it's not this building. So if your dinner party friends think you're crazy for going to church, simply remind them that every piece of social science and human experience tells us what, that we need each other. We need to see ourselves reflected in someone else's eyes. We need to see ourselves reflected in someone's tears. Without people to call us out and to call us back in, it's way too easy to slip into all those bad habits and slip back into those bad behaviors. We come together every week to be reminded that life is a miracle, to be reminded how much more we have in common than what divides. We come to be reminded that we're often ignorant in the very same ways. We take advantage of ourselves. We take advantage of other people. And sometimes we fool ourselves into thinking that we're the masters of our own little universe. And so we come because it keeps us honest. And we do it to laugh. We do it to hug. We do it to cry. We come because you will never know whether someone will look over some Sunday morning and that they'll see in you hope. And we come because sometimes you just need to sing with people songs about hope. And maybe a weird song about dragons every once in a while too. And so I'm gonna ask you again, what do you believe? I'll tell you what I believe. I believe in the same things as those high school seniors who are now off at college or work or wandering halfway around the world. I believe in magic and miracles and people and God and hope and second chances. And I believe in this church and I believe in you. So the next time you're at a dinner party, don't be ashamed of the gospel of Unitarian Universalism. And please don't bore everyone with a litany of everything you're not. And definitely don't bore them with all of your gripes. Instead, give them a testimony Invite them to church. Share this gift that has been passed down to you. This church was never meant to be hoarded. The goal has always been to give it away. Because after all, that is what life is all about. Now let us rise for a closing hymn in the gray hymnal number 316, Tradition Held Fast. If you would I invite you to reach out and take the hand of someone nearby. If you're here alone, you can reach out with your heart. May the truth that sets us free, the hope that never dies and the love that casts out fear lead us forward together until the day spring breaks and all shadows flee away. Please have a seat, relax, enjoy the postlude,